Welcome to Stutter Conversation, the podcast. This is a safe space where we will talk all things stuttering and communication. So happy new year, everyone. Hopefully everyone is having a great 2023. Um, we have some amazing things planned for the year and I can't wait to share all of that with you. So make sure to stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, today, I'm very honored to be joined with Sonia. She is a speech language pathologist and is trained in orofacial myofunctional therapy, the prompt technique and somatic therapy. She also helps people who stutter connect with their mind and body. So thank you so much for joining me today, Sonia. Um, how have you been? How's your 2023 been? 2023 has been moving at hyperspeed, I feel like. <laughs> It, yes. Yeah, it feels like New Year's Day was just yesterday and now it's February. So I know everything's gone really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I think that's a good sign though, because they say time flies when you're having fun. So maybe that's a good thing. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Did you have any New Year's resolutions for the year? I you know what? I am never good at keeping my resolutions. So I try to do, I try to start them a little bit earlier than the new year so that I don't feel like it's a new year's resolution. So okay. I actually, you know, it's kind of cliche, but I wanted to start working out again. Yeah. Um, and just creating time for myself, yeah. um, which has been more difficult than I'd like to admit, but I think um, I'm getting into a routine, which has been good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. That's smart. I don't actually, I mean, personally, I don't really do New Year's resolutions because I never end up sticking to them. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, I'll, I'll go with what, what the end up, ha- what ends up happening. So yeah, exactly. Most people, I think they, they do them for a few months and then they kind of go back to their usual ways. But. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so I usually start my podcast off with a bit of, um, I guess, quick fire questions, you could probably call them, um, just to get to know you a little bit more and get the listeners to know you a little bit more as well. Um, so if you were on a desert island, what are th- th- three things that you would take? Oh my gosh, okay. I'm in the hot seat. Let's see. I would take things. Okay, so that's not like my laptop is my life. I have everything on my laptop, but I don't think it would be much help in a desert island, but I would say laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, I carry around this huge water bottle with me. It's like 64 ounces. Okay. So uh, probably that I try to drink. That's actually one of my resolutions is to drink more water. Yeah. <laughs> so that I would say my laptop and food. I feel like I should probably... Um, I would, I would say mango sticky rice is my favorite food. So I would bring mango sticky rice. Okay. I've never tried that. Okay. I'll add that to my list of things to try. It's Thai food. It's, it's my favorite dessert in the entire world. Oh, nice. Okay. We always, whenever we go to Thai, we usually get the um, fried ice cream. That one's really good too. (laughs) Um, If you could be any Disney princess, who would you be? A Disney princess. Hmm. That's a good question. I would pick... I like Mulan because she's oh, yeah. a fighter. Yeah. And she kind of goes against the, the you know, she kind of goes against the grain a little bit. Or she's a very, um, she's not the type of princess who's like a damsel in distress. She's very much like a fighter, which I appreciate and respect. So Yeah. Yeah. Mulan's really cool. 
I think yeah. I don't even think I've ever finished Mulan the movie. <laughs> oh, it's so I love I had that song stuck in my head for the longest time. Um Oh, the, uh, the Colors of the Wind, is that one? No, it's um it's like make a man out of you or something, I think along those lines. Oh, but it's okay. It's actually the music in it I really appreciate yeah. because it's uh it's very like uh, drum beats, yeah. you know, versus like the melodic kind of Disney yeah. princess. that's true they're very like graceful yeah exactly (laughs) princess yeah that's cool um what's the biggest piece of advice that you've ever been given that's a good question I actually have um an answer to that a pretty quick answer I in grad school had this research professor who um she was really tough but she did give advice that stuck with me and she said that no matter what you read always be a skeptic and that means it could be for research, it could be on the news, or it could be something you, you know, you hear. Um, but no matter what you hear, she said, be a skeptic. And um, I took, I've taken that as just to always keep an open mind about everything. Um, even if, you know, research says this is the way, like, there could be something that changes in a few years that says, well, this is the new way, or, you know, there could be something that's not very proven, but um, you know, later down the line is proven. And I think that, um, I think it just helped me go about life with a more open mind. Oh, okay. I love that. Um, okay. So kind of getting into the main portion of the podcast, um, I'm really interested in your holistic approaches to speech and language pathology. Um, so I guess my first question to you would be, why did you, um, true speech language pathology or what kind of drew you towards that field? So I actually started when I was out of high school. I knew I wanted to do this. Um, I've always been very nurturing and I've always been someone who um, knew I wanted to help people. And I, my mom's in the medical field. She's a, a physical therapist and her best friend is a speech therapist. And so I've just been exposed to it. Um, she worked at the hospital, her friend, and I love kids and I love working with, you know, kids because they're so brutally honest and they're just like <laughs> these innocent, you know, innocent beings. And so um, this, it just kind of unfolded for me this way. And I really, I fell in love with it actually recently um, more so than before, but yeah, I, I just kind of started early and I kept going with it. So, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting because um, I'm actually wanting to be. So I've got one more year of school. So this year and then I'm going to be in uni next year. Um, oh. Yeah. So I'm yeah. actually. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually wanting to be an occupational therapist. So it's kind of very along the lines of that. And that's kind of exactly why I was um, I'm kind of drawn to it as well. It's obviously the love of kids as well. And um, they're just like so <laughs> free spirited and, you know, have so much freedom as well. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I guess also the other question would be what kind of made you decide on taking um, a more holistic approach to becoming an SL- SLP? So I have, um, I actually worked in the schools for, for over or for five years and I was working with a lot of kids who needed a lot more and I could see that they needed a lot more. And so that's part of the reason why 
for me, I wasn't fully in love with what I was doing because I didn't feel like I was fully um, helping to my capacity. So I took it upon myself to really to learn about different like the body and the ways that, um, you know, the, the muscles of the mouth impact speech and the way that, you know, your posture can even impact breathing, which can in turn impact your speech, all of this, you know, so, so I, um, I just started learning as much as I could and just reading research and taking courses. And I, um, I took some amazing courses through the Breathe Institute, which is here in LA. And they, um, they taught me a lot about the body as a whole. And that kind of, I think when you start learning on your own, you start connecting dots and then you realize there's so much more that you don't know. And so then you try to learn more about that. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's kind of what happened to me. I just started realizing that there's so much that is so complex that we don't know, but I started connecting dots on different research articles on courses that I took. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting that there's obviously so much of the body that connects, but um, I don't think we really learn about like the extended part of it as well. Like there's a lot of parts, like you said, posture. And I know my, my sister talks about how the, 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 the tongue affects like breathing and snoring and all these kind like all these kinds of things. That's really interesting that, you know, obviously like you were saying that there's so many different parts that do connect with each other and the, like the body is not as like disconnected as we think. And I, you kind of explained a little bit more, but um, what does being a holistic SLP mean to you and why do you think it's so important? Yeah, you know, I really think every profession in the medical field, you know, we're so, we have this like magnifying glass on one profession, right? Like speech. Usually speech is a part of a way bigger puzzle. You know, it's not usually just speech. There's other things that are involved. You know, there might be sensory integration issues. There might be issues with, um, you know, like even the tongue posture that we kind of talked about mouth breathing. There could be issues with um, auditory processing and all of those are so important to know so that you can really help the whole client, you know? And so to me, what it means to be a holistic speech therapist or a functional speech therapist is really like knowing what's going on in the body. Right. And, and I think a lot of it, you know, on the, on the basic foundation is, is feeling um, connected to your client, feeling like they can, um, you know, that you understand what they're feeling. Um, they feel safe enough to do, to be open with you and trust you to do the therapeutic process together. And I think um, that's where the emotional component comes in that I kind of, um, I started learning about, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, like the somatic techniques um, that I, I do and I post about on Instagram. But yeah, yeah. so I think overall, it's just really about, um understanding the whole body and understanding the emotions and the nervous system and yeah all that okay yeah that's really interesting yeah thank you (laughs) um so what what would you say that is is there a particular holistic approach um to stuttering yeah you know I really focus on the nervous system I usually teach kids about their nervous system what they're feeling Um, because I, with the kids, with young kids, I teach them about, you know, the fight or flight or freeze response that you feel 
that was functional back in the day, right? If a bear is chasing you, you need to feel that to survive. And so as we evolved, we don't have a bear chasing us anymore. We might have a test or a presentation that really scares us. And each individual person based on their temperament reacts to those situations differently, right? If somebody is um, a more calm person, you know, they don't get stressed out easily, maybe those things don't bother them as much, but it's a spectrum, right? And so you have to find, um, usually I find with, with my clients who stutter, they are typically covert stutterers. So they have some negative emotions, you know, that they are avoiding certain situations. And so I work with them to find out, um, and I'll I'll use some somatic techniques. We'll do like emotional release. I've done some emotional release um, sessions with them, which is another type of uh, technique that I use, but they typically have a lot of layers to peel back, right? Because if you're, experiencing this your whole life um you're gonna have it's it's deep rooted right it's not something that you can just talk about and be like oh I'm fine you know it's it takes a lot of work and you know and so um that's what I do you know we really try to get to the root emotion and yeah and and typically that's anger or it's sadness it's it's not it's not you know like the frustration it's like there's deeper, deeper emotions, right. Yeah, that are really yeah. under, underneath that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do together. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I think, and I will, I kind of ask you the next question, but I think there's, um, obviously, um, covert stuttering is something that I quite resonate with. I used to always, oh, I still kind of get questions like, oh, you don't stutter or you don't sound like you stutter or you didn't stutter at all with questions like this. And I think that's quite common uh, covert stuttering. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I definitely, um, do like things like avoidance and things like that. So I guess my question would be, um, what what would be the differences between covert and overt stuttering and how would you kind of um differ between these in terms of like approaches and things that you do yeah you know i think the main the main difference is definitely either like powering through a stutter and openly doing it or trying to hide like you said or kind of saying words maybe saying things that you wouldn't really want to say but are easier to say um and when I work with kids like who, who are covert stuttering, I typically, you know, I do, we do like the nervous system work or do some emotional release sessions. If it's an overt stutterer, I still find that there's no matter if it's covert or overt, there's still emotions related typically. And, you know, there's some assessments that you can do to find out if there are negative emotions. But I also think that, sometimes people don't allow themselves to feel certain emotions. And um, so they'll say they don't. That's what I find. And um, I've noticed that, you know, it's it's like the analogy to where a kid touches a stove and they get burned and they don't touch a stove anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of similar to that where you find a really uncomfortable situation and you don't want to feel that uncomfortable feeling, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you avoid the uncomfortable feeling. It makes sense, right? It's yeah. for your own safety. And so um, and so a lot of the time, 
I will, if it's an overt stutterer, I will work on strategies, but I'll also work on the emotional component because I find that there is still something there that needs to be addressed. That's what I find most of the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think like there are obviously, like you said, a lot of emotions that do directly impact stuttering. It might not cause stuttering, but it does impact it. So yeah. Yeah. Things like, like you said, anger and um, yeah, frustration, guilt, shame, embarrassment, all these things. So I think it is, like you said, really important to like talk about them. Otherwise we're just kind of, I think it is really important to address those things because it can um, not only make the person feel more comfortable in their stutter but it may also um help them be more open with it and um, yeah exactly that's usually the end that's my end goal is for Mm -hmm. them to feel comfortable enough to where they can choose to use some strategies or maybe they don't even want to and that's totally fine too you know and so yeah just getting to the point like you just said of feeling comfortable that they don't need to power through a stutter or that they don't yeah. need to avoid their stutter altogether by yeah. saying things that they don't want to say or you know yeah I think I saw and I don't know if this was you you posted this but someone posted something that actually really impacted me on Instagram and it was a picture of it was a picture of somebody who was happy because they ordered something that they actually wanted instead of something. Oh. Okay. that they it was easy to say yeah. and I yeah I just I you know as some I don't stutter myself but I really empathize yeah. you know with, with that and yeah so yeah that that impacted me but yeah, okay. yeah I guess that's that's my general answer <laughs> <laughs> um I guess we kind of talk about orofacial myofunctional therapy or OM as I think we call it over here Um, because that's something that I hear my sister talk about a lot because she kind of discusses it a lot in her in her job Um, but for those maybe who don't know what is orofacial myofunctional and how does it um, as well as is there a link between OM and stuttering yeah so orofacial myology is the study of the oral and facial muscles and how they relate to speech swallowing breathing um, dentition. And so I'm trained in myofunctional therapy, which is an exercise based technique to optimize the strength and the coordination of the oral and facial muscles. Um, so I found in, uh, my research, actually there was an article that was put out last year that it was 498 mouth breathers, uh, were studying children and out of 498 mouth breathers, it was almost 20% that had a stutter too. Oh, wow. And okay. so that to me doesn't necessarily say the reason why that could be, you know, the article doesn't explain the reason for that, but it does, it does kind of like, you know, light a bulb in my yeah. head. <laughs> that, that's a little interesting, right? Yeah. So um, I I don't know for sure, but my theory is maybe there's more tension, you know, if there's multiple reasons someone might be mouth breathing. It could be because there's a tongue tie, it could be enlarged adenoids, narrowed hard palate. And so um, if there is a tongue tie, it can cause more tension in the fascia. Um, and so maybe that could be the reason. I've had a tongue tie release myself because I had one okay. a couple of months ago. Yeah. And even though I don't stutter, I did feel like I have 
a lot less disfluencies now. Um, and I've always had tension in my neck. I have TMJ. Yeah. So just from my own personal experience, (laughs) it was a lot easier to articulate words for me. Okay. Yeah. Is if you were to see someone that had a starter and also might have OM issues, I guess you can call it, is that what you would say? Um, is, yeah. is there a way that you, um, like, is there something that you do to link those two together or do you kind of deal with them as two separate um, things? So I work with a team. Typically, if a client has oral facial myofunctional needs, then I would work with an ENT or a dentist. Um you know, I work with a, a few people typically to help that client. Um, I'd want to find the root cause of the the OM disorder. Um, and then I would want to look at how we can help with fluency, right? Usually there's, and if it's a really severe case where there's like depression or anxiety, I always refer out to a psychologist or a psychotherapist. Okay, yep. um, and so... In that case, I would either work on some of the emotional components. I might work on um, techniques like food, but I would also possibly do myofunctional therapy with that client, depending on if they needed it. Like if they had a tongue tie release, um, if I saw the mouth breathing, there's definitely red flags to look out for. Um, but that's kind of the holistic approach, right? It's like an individualized approach. So yeah, yeah. Um, I would I would look out. For, for my kids who stutter, my clients, I always look at if they have OM needs too. So you've mentioned quite a bit about somatic healing um, and that's not something that I'm quite aware of. So what um, can you explain what somatic healing is and what it involves and how you would take that into a stuttering case? <laughs> yeah, so um, Dr. Peter Levine has a lot of really good um, information and research about this, but somatic therapy is, is kind of like, it fits under the umbrella of mindfulness um, and mindfulness practices, but it is the one that I use emotional release therapy. And that is, that utilizes voice, that utilizes um, some visualizations, breath um, to really uh, like peel back this onion of of layers and emotions that, um, people might be feeling. And, you know, throughout the process, you check in, okay, what are you feeling now in your body? Where do you feel it? Because like we mentioned earlier, your body and your mind are very connected, right? We see our body as this thing that's like separate from us, you know? Um, and it's not, it's very much a part of us. And what you think in your head, it'll manifest in your body, right? If you're stressed, that'll show up as high cortisol and high cortisol, you know, leads to, high blood pressure. It can lead to like, it can lead to, I mean, if it's a serious case, some diabetes or it can lead to, um, anxiety, depression, you know? So, um, we definitely want to make sure that in the long run, people aren't having this like very high stress response. And so, um, so yeah, I, so somatic therapy is really a way of identifying the, negative emotions um that you are feeling because everybody has stuff right everyone has stuff that you you know trauma the word quote unquote trauma is used a lot and it doesn't have to be something that is severe trauma you know to somebody 
something that seems minuscule is actually really important and impactful, right? So, um, so in typically these these things happen in childhood, and some people have memories of childhood, and they'll have memories of um, of things that were really impactful for them. And so, some sometimes like a parent leaving for a few months or going on a work trip can be really impactful as a child. And so, yeah, sometimes I'll do this with my clients and it's really powerful. Cause they'll be like, I feel really lonely. And like, even if it doesn't have to do with their speech, it's like they're, they're getting to know themselves almost on another level. And to me, that's so rewarding because it's, that's how you can heal is when you know your body, you know yourself. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to like to even if we were not even aware of some of the things that we are feeling, but, you know, through, like you said, somatic healing or other healing techniques, I'm guessing as well, like you can kind of understand a bit more of what's going on before you can then um, address other bigger issues, I think, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's there's this uh, like Dr. Stephen Porges, too, he has this you know, every, I think everyone knows the vagus nerve and he kind of has this theory called polyvagal theory. And it's, Mm -hmm. it, have you heard of it or no, (laughs) no, it's okay. Yeah. It's not very talked about, but it's interesting because it's, it discusses the different, um, different branches or uh, pathways of the vagus nerve. And there's three different states and the ventral vagal state is when everybody like you're calm, you can feel connected to the people around you. You, um, it, your voice can be soothing to other people because you're calm. You know, um, your blood's flowing appropriately, and then there's a fight or flight response in the sympathetic vagal pathway, and that is when you know your blood moves from your organs to your limbs. You might feel more tension in your body. It might be harder to speak, and so. Um, it's an interesting way of looking at the vagus nerve because the vagus nerve is connected to every, you know, it's connected to your larynx, your pharynx, your diaphragm, and it it innervates all those like really uh, important organs too. So I just think that, um, I, and the way, so somatic therapies really try to, um, work with the vagus nerve to, you know, like that's why the breath might be involved or the, the, the larynx, you know, will be activated by voice. And so I think that helps people get to this quote unquote ventral vagal state of calm and clarity. Um, and so his theory is something that I kind of have, I've been aware of as I practice and seeing Mm -hmm. that, people can be connected and yep. you can, you can really have amazing therapy with someone if they're in that state of calm and connected, um, and aware of their bodies, yeah. you know? So. Wow. That's yeah. really interesting. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've never really thought of like how, I've never, I've never really thought about that, that like there's so many different things that can impact something else and especially in the body as well. Um, yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Um, So I guess my last question is what words of advice would you give people who start up, but also teens who stutter? I would say to be easy on yourself. 
don't hold yourself to this, you know, standard where you think other people, you know, everybody you meet, most people are just thinking about themselves. So, you know, try to not think about what that person is thinking, just be easy on yourself. And if you can um, remember that you control your mindset, Mm -hmm. then I think that will give you a lot of power, right, to take control over your speech. Um, So yeah, to, to just be easy and take control of what you, what your thoughts are. Yeah. I'm going to definitely take that on board. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, sometimes it's, you know, things can get very overwhelming and we kind of don't like, yeah, it's hard to kind of step back and take a look back and like, think about it in a, um, yeah, more open way, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really think that, um, we can get, I mean, you can, it's easy to get wrapped up in your own head and forget. That's why it's almost like a muscle. You have to work out to be mindful. Yeah. It's not easy True. You know, to truly be mindful. It takes slowing down and it takes checking in with yourself yeah. and it takes, um, trying to literally reframe in your own mind, negative comments that you're making about yourself yeah. and yeah. other people, you know? So, yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that's kind of the end of the podcast segment. Um, but I usually end my podcast with a, just a quick game. Um, so I thought we would play Would You Rather. I'm not sure if you've you played Would You Rather before. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Cool. <laughs> um, so I thought we would do three rounds. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So the first question is, would you rather listen to music for the rest of your life or only watch movies? Hmm. I think I would rather only listen to music okay. for the rest of my life. What about you? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was if I said TV shows, it might be a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. But maybe music. I've kind of gotten a bit into the moment to music now. So I'm thinking music as well. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. Um, that's tough it one. is very <laughs> tough. <laughs> um, okay. Would you rather be a princess or a villain? Hmm. I love the movie Maleficent. So okay. I think I would rather be a villain. Yeah. Because I feel like they always have amazing villain stories of once That's being true. good <laughs> and then having this like, you know, almost like unapologetically dark side of them, <laughs> which I kind of like, you know. Yes, like a a turning point in their yeah. in their life. <laughs> exactly. That's true. That's very true. I think their lifestyle is also kind of cool. <laughs> they yeah. kind of can just do what they want and people mm-hmm. just, yeah. yeah. Leave them be. They're just, true. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one I would be. I feel like mm, princesses do have really nice outfits. That's true. And they do get to live in like castles and stuff. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. That would be nice to live in a castle. I wouldn't mind that actually. Um. Okay. So the last question would be, would you rather live in the ocean or live in the space or live in space for the rest of your life? Huh. That's really hard. I don't know. I think maybe the ocean, but I also am so curious about space because, yeah. you know, like wormholes and black holes, they just, yeah. so interesting <laughs> to me, but maybe I think I would rather live in the ocean because there's animals and life and I don't want to be around That's life. That's true. That's very true. I don't know which one I would think. I mean, the ocean, I don't know. I'm kind of scared of, like, deep ocean. That always scares me. I don't know if I could ever do that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I feel like it's, I mean, it's, it can be scary when you think about everything that's underneath you. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. I just, I guess I just don't even think about it, but if I do think about it, I probably would be a little yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah. And like, just, just to think that like, you're kind of like one dot in like a whole space of like yeah. everything. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess that's the end of today's podcast. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today, Sonia. And, like really making me think about my mind and I think it's also so important for other people to um be more open with how they're with their feelings and their emotions and things like that so which is very interesting I never thought about that <laughs> thank you so much this was really it was really nice speaking with you and I just think what you're doing is amazing to to really have these guests on who can talk about different topics within stuttering and speech thank um yes yeah, so I hope you have the be- like a good rest of your day um and thank you so much again Sonia um for thank you <laughs> all right I'll see you thank you yes. Priya. thank you bye everyone bye. <laughs>